everyone and welcome to this week's edition of Slasher Street Podcast. My name is Ryan Devlin. Thank you so much for joining me once again. This is a horror movie podcast where each week I will be reviewing and discussing in detail a particular horror movie from our epic collection here at the house. And I hope you're all having an awesome week out there or as best you can in these trying times. Uh, It's been a funny old week, especially for myself. And if anyone out there is a wrestling fan, um, obviously I'm a big sports fan as well as a big horror movie fan and a big wrestling fan but over the course of the last three weeks there's been no live sport on uh, there's been no football on no nothing uh, so it's been you know quite a frustrating time if you're a sports fan uh, well this past weekend was wrestlemania and it, it wasn't live but it was just strange because it kind of although it wasn't normal it was filmed in front of no crowd it was just you know good to watch some sport and um kind of get an aura of normality back you know and it was i was quite glad that the wwe went ahead with that show and if you are a wrestling fan um there's you know or a horror movie fan there's two particular matches that happened at wrestlemania which pretty much were horror movies you had the boneyard match between undertaker and aj styles and you had the firefly funhouse match between john cena and uh the fiend uh, bray wyatt so i think those two matches if and what i'd say right now is if you are not a wrestling fan but of course you're a horror movie fan for watching, uh, for listening rather to uh, to this podcast, I would thoroughly recommend just checking those two matches out because they're not your typical wrestling matches. They were filmed off-site in separate locations. So the Boneyard match was filmed in a uh, in a graveyard. The Firefly Funhouse match it was more of like a I don't know it was like a a back and forth acid trip between John Cena's career, but in a horror movie style setting, like a quite a dark setting inside the inside the mind of John Cena. It was really really cool, really really well done. So. I say if you're not a horror movie fan sorry if you're not a wrestling fan but you're a horror movie fan i would uh, thoroughly recommend you go and check those two things out because um yeah they're kind of like mini horror movies uh, also this week i saw cannibal holocaust for the first time because it's been uploaded to amazon prime uh, which i was really surprised about you know after hearing all the things about it and how it got threatened because everyone thought it was a, snu- a snuff movie when it when it originally came out uh yeah it was i was really surprised it was on there so i've, and I've never seen it before it's been on the list of things that I've wanted to see for a long time so I stuck that on over the weekend and Jesus H Christ that is one fucked up film and you know still holds up to this day I think and fantastic found footage film um for the most part quite realistic some bits are com- completely obviously over the top fake but um yeah it was quite tough to watch but you know I'll probably do an episode on that at some point and because uh, I do have quite a lot to say after watching it but but anyway I digress that's my week in a nutshell uh thank you for joining us this week everyone I hope um that, you know, for the next hour or so, we can just kick back with a couple of beers and talk horror movies. Uh, And on this week's episode, uh, I'm talking about one of my all-time favourite slasher movies. It's, for me, probably a top five, maybe even a top three uh, slasher movie. I think it's one of the best ever made, and that is Friday the 13th Part 4, The Final Chapter. It's a real shame they didn't make any more after, after this one came out. 
I'm only joking, of course. They made another, what, seven or eight <laughs> after this. Um, but I re- this is this is the last one with Jason in almost a human form. Uh, after this movie, he kind of... Well, he's not in part five, is he? And then uh, part six onwards, he's a zombie kind of superhuman character. So so this is the final chapter in Jason's human form anyway. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting into this one. Um, I rewatched it for probably the 25th or 30th time. Watched it so many times. Rewatched it the other night. Um, just to, you know, briefly write some notes down on this movie. And what a great movie. What a great watch it was. Such a fun movie. For me, it's everything. Um, I mean, we're gonna, I'm going to basically run through the whole movie. Every kill, everything that I think about. Uh, all my thoughts on this movie, and in, in general, really, including the story. Uh, Jason as the character, the, the special effects. Man, this film is awesome. But yeah, for me, this is almost a perfect slasher movie. It's got everything that you'd want in a fun, 80s slasher movie obviously got an awesome villain in Jason Voorhees and for me this movie is Jason at his best this is the scariest Jason in my opinion it's not my favorite Jason Uh, that still is going to CJ Graham in part six Um, but in terms of the scariest Jason this for me is definitely the scariest one Uh, you know the music in this film is awesome you've got the usual Friday the 13th music um, but you've also got the Obviously, the song is it Love is a Lie by Lion. Is it Love is a Lie by Lion? The Crispin Glover dance. You've got it all in there. Fantastic uh, fantastic music. The special effects in this. Tom Savini at his very best. Um, so, the whole thing. And you've got a fantastic cast. The kills on-screen gore for the most part. Uh, fantastic last scene. Fantastic ending. Honestly, can't say enough good things about this movie. So I'm super, super excited to get into this one and talk Friday the 13th Part 4 in detail. So please join me, shall you, as we go on this journey together for the next hour or so and talk, in my opinion, uh, one of the greatest slasher movies ever made. Now, it's probably... In terms of the Friday the 13th franchise, top one. You know, for me, in my opinion, I'm going to probably do a separate Rank the Franchise video on Friday the 13th at some point in time. Um, But for me, there's always been two at the very top. And I don't like one more than the other. So they will be, they're just joint top. And that's, of course, this one, part four, the final chapter, and part six, Jason Lives. Now, the two very different films uh, in terms of the style, in terms of the part six is a lot more comedic elements compared to this one. This is definitely more of a straight up 80s slasher horror movie. Um, but the, just for me, they're the two best films made in this franchise. And I know a lot of people agree that those are their top two. Um, so really uh, I kind of forgot where I was going there because I was just so excited about talking about this film but yeah in, in general those two are my top two in the franchise and for this episode I knew I wanted to do a Friday the 13th movie uh, so it was a toss up between which one I wanted to do but as I said last week later in the year all going well with this coronavirus shit that's going on all over the world and events being cancelled and postponed but all going well in October I'm going to the For the Love of Horror convention in Manchester if you live in England and you're a horror movie fan check out that convention because they've got some incredible guests booked I mean they've got CJ Graham and Tom 
Matthews, so part six, Jason Lives reunion. Uh, Tom McLaughlin's going to be there as well, who obviously directed part six. Uh, so they're having like a Friday the 13th part six reunion. Uh, who else is there? I think, oh, uh, Tony Todd's there, the Candyman. They've got loads of stars from The Walking Dead there. Uh, they've got some stars from Wolf Creek. They've got some stars from uh, the original Halloween as well as Halloween uh, 2018. Um, they've also got some some more Friday the 13th uh, stars on there as well. So it's definitely, you know, if you're a horror movie fan, go to there. So Friday the 13th Part 6, I'm going to leave till later in the year, probably more beginning of October time, to get me in the mood for meeting uh, Tom Matthews and CJ Graham, because that's going to be just awesome so anyway but i've digressed we're talk we've talked about part six a bit too much now so let's get into this one uh, friday the 13th part four the final chapter so this movie had a budget of two and a half million dollars two million six hundred thousand dollars so just over two and a half million budget um that smashed that in its opening weekend its opening weekend it made over 11 million so i mean this is the thing with the friday the 13th franchise it's they are historically known for being made cheap and making a shit ton of cash which is why they you know made 12 of them because paramount and eventually new line cinema uh, they knew that the, these, these movies are just not cash grabs no because there's a lot of like some of, the, some of the later ones are some of the better ones in the franchise so a lot of love and effort went into those ones uh for those people involved in making those movies but for the product for the actual production companies like paramount and new new line cinema uh they obviously knew that these are going to make a, a shit ton of money for them overall gross in the usa uh, so i'm not too sure whether it's got a uk release or a worldwide release but it says here on imdb that the total gross in the usa was 30 just over just under 33 million dollars so that is that's a 30 million 30 million dollar profit just in the u.s uh worldwide all the merchandise because you've got to think this movie was almost the start of jason being jason you know he, he got the hockey mask in part three but in terms of evolving the character into what it eventually became this movie was a huge part of that process and for me part four in the friday uh franchise i see is on a par kind of level as what part three did to the nightmare on elm street franchise it just rejuvenated it so much that people just wanted wanted more uh unfortunately part five they didn't get more jason but again the popularity of the character to be brought back in part six so huge money makers um these movies absolutely huge money makers uh, the movie, of course, was produced by Frank Mancuso Jr., uh, who I think he did the original four. I think he did number. Did he do? No, I think he did number five. Potentially did number six. I don't think he did any of the later ones. Uh, directed by Joseph Zito, and of course, special effects makeup done by the one and only uh, Tom Savini. Now, the the reason Tom Savini came back was because he did the makeup for part one, and he essentially desired. I mean, Tom Savini is a horror movie icon an absolute genius so many movies that he, that he basically look amazing on such a low budget because of this guy's incredible skills with special effects um so he designed the original young boy jason in part one and he came back to part four because it was the final chapter or so they believed would be the the final one in the in the series uh, and he wanted to redesign jason he wanted to have he wanted to kill jason off 
in the style and have that that send off for the character that he created uh, to do that justice himself and i got to admit the this movie is a huge step up compared to two and compared to number three i mean number three had 3d and all that kind of stuff but in terms of the special effects this movie is like incredible probably without a doubt the best in in the series um so this was obviously supposed to be the final one but again money talks you know it's one of those things isn't it uh number three was supposed to be the final one which you know jason gets killed quote-unquote killed with an axe in part three um again fantastic fantastic movie fantastic glass girl uh and everything in there but he gets killed in part three paramount pictures are like you know i think we can make another one because what they did with part three which i think paramount and frank mancuso you know sub you know subconsciously didn't do maybe was they didn't give it a tagline so it was just friday the 13th part three Oh, it was Friday the 13th, Part 3, 3D. Or, I can't remember, it was something like that, wasn't it? But it didn't have a tagline. It wasn't like Jason Lives or, um, you know, the final chapter or the new beginning or anything like that. It didn't have, like, a tagline to it. So, obviously, Paramount Pictures, in their wisdom, were like, oh, why don't we just bring Jason back once more, um, even though we killed him off in the last one. Bring him back once more. Uh, it's fairly easily, quickly forgotten that he died in the last one. You know, he comes back quite quickly in this one. Uh, and then we'll give it a tagline, the final chapter, and then that'll make us a lot more money, and then we can, you know, end the franchise in style. So, um, but we know that that didn't happen. Uh, this movie is the first in the Tommy Jarvis trilogy. Um, just, this for me, these three movies, are the Tommy Jarvis trilogy is, you know, Something I always watch on a Friday the 13th, or try to at least anyway. Uh, definitely watch this one in part six. Uh, part five, I don't think, I can't remember the guy who plays Tommy Jarvis in part five, but part five for the most part is very much ignored. I feel like it's a standalone spin-off movie because obviously it's a different actor that plays Tommy Jarvis in part six, it's Tom Matthews. Um, the guy who, I mean, Corey Feltman does return in part five for like the opening scene. But yeah, for me, there's a Tommy Jarvis double feature, which is this one and uh, and and part six, because the Tommy like Corey Feltman's character in this is very close to how Tom Matthew plays it. Tom Matthews plays it rather in in part six, whereas the part five Tommy Matthews is quite straight. It's quite bland, you know. He's it's not quite as an inter- interesting character. Um, but anyway, this is the very first movie in the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, which is, of course, one of Jason's now biggest adversaries um, that was that was created. Um, the cast for this movie, now, there's some real notable uh, cast in this movie, as you already know. Of course, we've got Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis. Now, this was called... Corey Feldman, I think it was only his second movie. Um, I think it was maybe his first movie that he did in, as an actual face character he played they did some voice work as a kid uh, and this was like his first actual starring role uh, man what an awesome job Corey feldman does here this was like early to mid 80s was like peak Corey feldman obviously or in his career bless him uh not that he would know that at the time but he's had such a self not a self-destructed career like but he's had a really tough tough life Corey feldman um i haven't watched the documentary that he he's released was it last month the rape of the two Corys. i can't probably bring myself to to watch it i really should watch it you know because you know he's i think it's probably true what happened to him 
Um, obviously, we had that Michael Jackson one that came out last year, which is just an absolute fucking disaster. Um, because it wasn't true, was it? It was it was lies. It, you know, the, the people. I'm surprised it still get aired on TV. Um, it's pretty much been proven that it was lies. Whereas this one, it's it's true, uh, or at least I believe what Corey Feldman says. So it's that'll be a bit of a tough watch for me. Uh, so I might I might watch it, but you know I'm a fan of Corey Feldman, you know. But as I say, this was the beginning of his career. You know, next up he would have the Goonies, then he would have what Stand by Me, the Lost Boys. It was just hit after hit after hit for Corey Feldman, and you know, regardless of what happens later on in his life, and you know the tough times that he would that he would see, you know, I think Corey Feldman really is probably one of the greatest child actors that have ever lived. Uh, and in this performance, you know, he's what he's only 10 years old in this movie or 11 years old, something like that. And this performance in a horror movie, just fucking amazing. And for me, and I'm going to say it right now, I think this performance from Corey Feldman, and people might disagree with me here, but this performance from Corey Feldman in this movie, I think is on par or equal to, or, you know, matches... Uh, Macaulay Culkin's performance in Home Alone. Now you've got to think Macaulay Culkin was what eight, nine, when when Home Alone came out, and everyone gives Macaulay Culkin props for that movie because what he was an awesome actor. You know, he he was better than some of the act uh, adult actors in in the, in those movies. Uh, in fact, yeah, he probably was better than you know. That's why he made the big books and what happened happened. Uh, but for me, Corey Feldman in this movie and in The Goonies and a couple others, you know, his performances are better than some adult actors and still to this day holds up. So um, he's absolutely incredible in this movie as, as Tommy Jarvis. What a really likeable character. Um, we have Crispin Glover in this movie as Jimmy. Crispin Glover is, well, he's Crispin Glover, isn't he? He gets himself over in whatever he does. He is, you know, he has his own dance, which he's famous for. I think, does he do the dance in the Back to the Future film as well? He, um, he was famous for doing it in the clubs back in the day. It's the Crispin Glover dance. It's not exclusive to this movie. But yeah, seeing Crispin Glover in this movie is really fun. Always always good to see. Uh, and to be honest, the rest of the cast, there's not really any other big names in here. Uh, Corey Feldman and Crispin Glover are the two big hitters. Uh, I do want to send a big shout out to Ted White, who plays Jason in this movie. Because for me, this is the most intimidating Jason in all of the all of the Friday the 13th franchise. I think he's more intimidating than Kane Hodder. Uh, I think he's more intimidating than the earlier ones in the series. I just think this Jason is Jason at his scariest. And the way Ted White plays this, fucking incredible. Absolutely incredible stuff. So, um, I suppose we've talked about the cast, talked about the budget. Let's get into the actual movie itself and let's run through... We're going to basically run through the whole movie, so sit back, ladies and gentlemen, and enjoy. Uh, so the movie, very much like the previous two, uh, two and three, has a bit of a, a montage at the start. It kind of has a bit of a, like, you know, like a clips of the previous movies explaining roughly what has happened uh, and goes to the events of part three at the end where Jason gets the axe to the head. And this movie takes place basically straight after part three. Now, what a lot of people don't realise or maybe they do realise, but it doesn't really get brought up a lot, is parts two, three, and four happen within pretty much days of each other because you have part two, which happens, what, I think that happens four years after or two... It's like three or four years. It's something like that after the original Friday the 13th movie. Uh, So you have part two, and then that ends, and then part three picks up 
instantly after that because we see Jason walking around the, that old couple's garden. He's still got the sack. He's wearing the same clothes. Then he changes clothes and then turns into, you know, he has that kind of uh, mechanic suit on. Then part three happens and then that ends and then this movie happens. So really, um, although these movies came out a few years apart from each other, this story is three nights of events so that's quite scary to think about when you think of all the people think jason all together in those three movies kills about 30 people i think that's a rough body count is it it's about 30 33 people he kills so that's a lot of people to kill in three days but i know some of the events in this movie contradict that story somewhat and i think people get a bit confused with that because jason looks so different between the three movies and his look changes um obviously in part two he's got more of the dungarees and the checkered kind of redneck shirt and he's got the sack on then he's got the then he transcends into wearing the hockey mask in part three and then changes slightly in this one but it's three different actors as well that plays jason and three different directors that have different visions as to what they want jason to look like I think they can get away with it again because the faces we see of Jason in parts two and three are drastically different. And then the face we see at the end of this one is drastically different again. But this movie, the makeup and the face of Jason was designed by Tom Savini, who was the man who originally designed designed the young Jason in the original. So for me, this is the Jason that is the this is jason in this movie and if you think about it we see jason's face in part two uh, but it's more of a dream it's a fake out and then we see his face in part three and that's a fake out because you know we see like him to be honest that is a fucked up scene and still haunts me now you know you've got jason he's kind of got the axe i don't talk about the other movies here but (laughs) you've got like jason and he's at the that poor girl she's in the she's in the um a canoe and she sees jason from the window and he's almost waving at her as if he's waving at her to say i'm gonna come and fucking kill you you know but he's doing it oh it's fucked up completely fucked up and then we get the mrs Voorhees fake out where you know copying part one um so anyway um i digress i can't i can't totally forgot what i was saying oh yeah because it's all it's all over three nights um we're all over the place tonight it's a very laid back episode this one we're just gonna have fun uh so yeah i think that's the reason why Jason looks drastically different between the two, but that that does confuse people as to they think this happened over years. Well, no, part two, three, and four happened within a few days of each other. We'll get into another theory I have later on in the episode as well as to the the timeline here. Um, so it picks up directly after part three is finished, and basically the police and ambulance service they're taking away all the bodies and they're taking away Jason's body from from the from the barn now this scene for me is really creepy and i know this pic might just go under the radar for a lot of people um but it's the scene is all of the ambulance drivers are walk are driving away and the basically there's been a there's been a mass murder on this site and been at this point 20 odd people killed over two nights by jason and but obviously a mass murder on this site with the barn and the house and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so they take the bodies away, Jason included, and then they just drive away. The helicopter drives away. And then the camera just stays there for kind of 
10 seconds maybe and it's just dark empty as if nothing happened ready for the next people to come and it's just i don't know there's a little bit of that it's like a really awesome shot really great shot very eerie scene uh and it's not like i say it's only there for a few seconds but it's just super super eerie for me i just yeah i find that scene kind of creepy when you think about everything that's happened on that site over the over the previous two days uh, so again, so we get to the hospital. Why are all hospital coroners um, in horror movies total weirdos, total creeps? You know, like they are really creepy. So this, you know, um, this one, you know, in this movie, he's having a sandwich as the body's coming. He puts his sandwich on the body, continues to eat his sandwich, you know, and then he says, oh, you know, the couple of hotties have came in tonight. Like these are corpses who have been murdered that night. And he's saying how hot they are. A like, total creep and... He kind of st- he tries it on with the nurse as well, and he, st- he succeeds. Like, somehow he manages to succeed because he pulls this nurse. It just baffles me every time. Because although they're total creeps, they seem to still, you know, pull women. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Uh, there's some really bad overacting, some famous overacting from the nurse in this scene as well, where... Uh, I think is it Jason's hand falls from the you know the table and she just screams and the guy's laughing at her and then she just she's nice and calm and just walking out the door and then she just throws the doors open like like really quickly and goes I'll tell you what I'm going I'm going crazy (laughs) it's like out of nowhere you know just overacting complete quite bad acting overacting uh, there's a bit of confusion here as to whether jason was actually dead because i don't think he is dead because he dies spoiler alert at the end of this movie but he's got an axe to the head he gets put in the ambulance and taken to the hospital and the coroner i don't think does much with him puts him in the fridge did no one check that he was actually dead like because he's not dead and he's not a zombie in this movie either like he's not a zombie until number six you know zombie undead force of nature character he's just you know and a super strong uh what they called in the movies mongoloid you know he's like a super strong being but he's not a zombie or and he can die he can lose as we find out so did nobody check that he was dead like this hospital is really poor uh so we see the first scene the first kill rather Awesome on-screen kill. Jason out of nowhere, he slices the coroner's neck open with a saw. Sorry. <laughs> That's the beer. I'm having a few uh, brew dogs. That's completely gone straight to my gastular system here. Um, so, yeah, and then Jason just, like, rips his head, like, you know, spins it round. Just fantastic. First of many cool... Uh, and more importantly, as I say, on-screen kills in this movie. Like that's that, that for me is the making of a good slasher film. Good on-screen kills, and uh, they are here in abundance on this on this movie. Uh, some are weak, as we'll get there. Some are weaker, you know. Some aren't great, uh, but the majority of kills in this movie are fantastic. And there's 13 of them in total, not including Jason. So that's a hell of a lot of kills. When you think this movie's only an hour and 25 minutes long, and we're already up until this point of the first kill, about 15 minutes in. So that's a lot of kills to get in in like an hour's time. But it's awesome. I fucking love this movie. Uh, the nurse gets killed. She gets. She's like in the just in the storeroom and Jason comes in. Has nobody seen Jason? I suppose it's at night. Hospital at night, there's quite minimal staff. I know that from working in at a hospital. Um, 
you know, kills the nurse and chest up against the wall. Just again on screen, not as strong as the last one, but a fucking awesome kill. Uh, and we're introduced to the Tommy to the to the Tommy Jarvis. We're introduced to the Jarvis family next. Uh, we've got Tommy Trish and Mrs. Jarvis. Mrs. Jarvis, she's lovely, isn't she? She's like a the quintessential American single mum. Just love the kids. She's just really nice character. Um, and then all the all the teens as well that we meet. You know going to the uh to the to the lake house for the weekend so we have uh we have sarah tracy doug jimmy teddy sam uh and they meet tina and terry as well there's a lot one thing i will say about the characters in this movie there is a lot of different things going on as we see it's not like in pre uh, they kind of have it in parts three with the bikers and as well i suppose but in this movie there's a lot of dynamics going on uh so you've got the jarvis family for one you've got uh tommy trish and mrs jarvis you have trish and rob who we meet later on in the movie you have tina and terry who are the twins on vacation as well presumably who then hang out with the other teens you have teddy and uh crispin glover's character jimmy uh then you've got the two kind of more muscular jock couples as well uh, and yeah i mean for me like there's a lot there's a lot going on you know there's a lot of different um different relationships going on in this film there's a lot to pack into such a small amount of time um in in this movie a lot of characters to introduce there's a lot of dialogue happening as well it, there's just a lot to pack into as i say such a relatively short amount of time and because this movie is so fast-paced it's so well done it's so engaging this movie just flies by right really does fly by uh, teddy he's like the joker of the of the bunch and um if you're watching these in order you know there's always a joker in the movies more famous I suppose Joker would be um, Shelley from Part Three. Uh, of course, he's the one who he he has Jason's mask. Like Jason gets the mask off Shelley. Uh, but Teddy, for me, is much less annoying than Shelley. Shelley is a very annoying Joker character, whereas Teddy's quite a lovable character and actually quite funny. Um, he's an ass, of course, um, but he is quite funny for the most part. Whereas for the most part, Shelley, not a huge fan of Shelley. I know a lot of people are because of what he represents. He represents the almost quintessential horror fan. Don't take that personally, but that is true. That's that is the character was based around horror fans. So, um, try not to be disrespectful with that, but that is that is true. But you know, he's a very annoying character. Um, the hippie, you know, the hippie's only in this movie for a couple of seconds you know the, she's she's like a hitchhiker hippie, and uh, she's got the "fuck you" sign when they go past. Is fantastic. She's eating a banana, dagger through the neck, and she's one of the thirteen kills. But you you don't you only see her for like two minutes, not even a minute in this movie before she gets killed. Like so many people, you know, unless you're Tommy or Trish, you're dead <laughs> in this movie. Um, now the thing about this is, um, Corey Feldman was he was I think he was eleven or twelve, maybe ten. 10, 11, or 12. He was really young anyway when this movie was getting made. And there is scenes in this movie where, you know, he sees the teens skinny dipping in the in the lake. He sees the girls getting nude in the um, in the bedroom across. And Corey Feldman just plays this perfectly. He plays it like a kid. Like a kid would if you saw someone naked. But an actual relatively fun fact um, is that he didn't actually see any of this because any time... The, the nudity was filmed like separately and then they filmed 
Corey Feldman's bits because he was so young. So whenever they were filming the nude parts, they would take him, you know, away from from that. So to kind of keep his young innocence, bless him. Uh, but like I said, Corey Feldman, I know we're going back and forth here, but Corey Feldman really speaks highly of, of this movie and this role. And um, he really wanted to be the star in the next Friday film. And uh, that's why he did the cameo at the start of the movie, because he, he felt almost obliged and obligated because these guys gave him his big break. Uh, and he has nothing but good things to say about working on this movie and I suppose in part five as well. He was only in there for a short amount of days and it's obviously sets up, we'll get there, but, you know, just Corey Feldman really speaks highly of this, and I'm, I think that's really, because a lot of, uh, you know, movie stars who start their careers in these slasher movies, they tend to almost forget their roots, and, you know, they go on to become big Hollywood stars, and they kind of forget who made them and who gave them their break, but not Corey Feldman. Um, he really, uh, he really, you know, remembers this fondly, uh, and really wanted to be the the face of the franchise and how it was set up. So it's a real shame that he didn't get to do that. But hey, Goonies come along and Goonies isn't a bad uh, a bad backup option, really, is it? And uh, you always get you always get in in these movies someone who pretends to drown. I think that's happened in pretty much every single one of these films. Someone either pretends to die or they pretend to drown. <laughs> like what a dick move, you know. Like there's, I think it is Sam. She um, pretends to drown. She basically falls in, even though she, we do see her swimming, so we know she can swim. Uh, but she pretends to drown, and basically Sarah's terrified, and it's just to get Sarah into the lake. Like, total dick move. Like, Sarah, she's nice and nice and nervous one at the start, and you almost teased that she would be the final girl, because she's kind of the quintessential shy virgin character. Mm-mm. That soon rectified in this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, total dick movie. There's always... It's a Friday staple. Uh, one of many Friday staples that we see in this movie. But that's one of them. Pretending to drown or pretending to die. You know, that is that is a staple of the Friday movies. Uh, Tommy Jarvis is such a clever kid. He knows how to fix a car. He's like 10 or 11. I don't know how to fix a car. And I'm 28 years old. <laughs> like, I have to take it to my dad to fix. Still to this day. If it doesn't need the tyres, if it's not the tyres, and if it's not needing petrol, I've no clue about anything else. My service light came on the other day and I was like, holy shit. And I had to ring the Dacia <laughs> assistance line. I was like, is this car still safe to drive? I know nothing about cars. At all. Or not how they work anyway. But... Tommy, he knows how to fix one, no problem. Uh, so we pick Rob up as well. Rob is um, kind of teased as the outdoorsy woodlands badass. Um, and him and Trish have a really good relationship as well. So he has a good relationship with the Jarvis family and almost a romantic relationship with Trish. But it never gets to that point because he doesn't have a doesn't have the chance, unfortunately, bless him. Um, now, Rob, he is the brother of Sandra. This is where the timeline gets a little bit messed up. Now, Sandra was a character in Friday the 13th Part 2. More specifically, she is the character who was having sex upstairs and Jason kind of came in the room and put a spear through the top of her boyfriend who was on top of her, through her, onto the bed. Her body was never found because if you recall in Part 2, when... Uh, when the guys, I 
totally forgot the names of the last two characters in part two. I should really know because it's one of the best final girls in the series. But off the top of my head, I cannot remember. But anyway, obviously when another Friday 13th staple, when they're going around the, the scenes and rediscovering all the bodies, she's not there. She's missing. So when that final girl obviously goes back to the hospital... She'll be phoning all the families, or the, the police will be phoning all the families to say, right, this is what's happened, um, but we don't know where she is, and we don't, we, we think she's missing. Or, does he, or she, does he know she's murdered? I'm not sure. But anyway, I don't know how close Rob and his family live to the Crystal Lake area, but he gets there fairly quickly. So imagine part two was a Friday night, which we have to assume it was. Or maybe, maybe not. See, this is where it gets confusing. This is where I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Because Friday the 13th Part 2, if if that was set on a Friday night, and this is my theory, although it is meant to be set over three days. When Jason goes to the hospital in this movie, now we're going to get a bit deep into this, so if you're quite interested in Friday the 13th kind of theories, this you'll probably quite enjoy this. Um, Jason goes to the hospital in Part 4, at the beginning of this movie, after being quote-unquote killed and for what looks like that is him going straight in there that's his first night okay and he kills you know the coroner then it's the next day that's what we're led to believe but we don't and jason doesn't have a car remember he's not superhuman he just walks or you can run so we don't know how long it took jason to get from the hospital back to crystal lake So here's my theory. Friday 13th Part 2 is set on a Friday, of course. It all happens on the one night, pretty much. Then it's the Saturday. Then Friday 13th Part 3 happens on the Saturday. Body's taken, everyone taken to the hospital. Then Jason comes back on the next Friday or the next weekend because you've got to remember the teens in this movie, I hope I'm making sense, the teens in this movie are coming for the weekend. They're coming for the weekend. And I know that, you know, these are slight plot holes, but the kids in this movie are coming for a weekend by the lake, which means this is a Friday that this is happening on. So my theory is that Jason took a few days to get back to Crystal Lake from the hospital to then pick up where he left off, which would give Rob enough time to get that call from the police on the Saturday or the Sunday or even the Monday and say, look, Sandra's gone missing or she's dead. You know, you should come up here and check it out. And then he goes up there all outdoorsy because he's walking. You know, he doesn't have a car. They pick him up. So for me, that's my theory that this actually takes place all within a week and a half, say, not within three days. Like, I don't look a bit too much into it, but that's kind of my theory and explanation. So it took a, it took, <laughs> it took a bit of a long time to get there, but a long-winded explanation. But hey, that's kind of my thoughts on it anyway. Um... So yeah, they pick uh, Rob up and he ends up going to the Jarvis family house. Uh, and she's like, oh, hi, I'm Rob. And she's like, oh, I'm Mrs. Jarvis. And Tommy just takes him up to his room to show him his mask collection that he makes. And yeah, <laughs> it's like, okay, no one's going to ask any questions as to this hitchhiker going to my 10-year-old son's bedroom. Uh, so we see the Crispin Glover dance and he, I think he does this in Back to the Future and he does it in a couple of these other movies. Crispin Glover is famous for doing this dance. It's just completely over the top. It's the Love is a Lie by Lion, I think it is. 
just fantastic, hilarious scene. And Crispin Glover back in the day, he was famous for makes basically doing this dance in the clubs, and that that's what he wanted to do. That was his shtick. Um, so yeah, I mean Crispin Glover, fucking fantastic actor. Uh, hilarious. There's a lot of obscure parts, and this is definitely one of them. Uh, I think the original dance uh, is to Back in Black. So when they were filming it, it's to actually to Black Back in Black by ACDC. Um, I'd like to see the footage for that, but I think don't think that would work anywhere near as well as this song. This song's a really cool song. So uh, also we see in this movie that Jason isn't scared of the water. So this is you know miscontinuity continuity rather with uh, the Freddy versus Jason style law and later in the movies. Whereas, because obviously Jason drowned, he didn't, based on these movies. But, um, you know, it's like he's scared of water. But in this movie, he's hiding in the water. Like, he's that he's hiding in the water and he can presumably breathe underwater. I don't know, hold his breath for a long time. Uh, because Sam, poor Sam, you know, you know, I think it's Paul is her boyfriend in this. And uh, he, Paul's flirting with either Trish or Tina, one of the twins. I don't know which one. Uh, and yeah, so she goes out for a bit of a skinny dip, as you do, you know, a broken-hearted skinny dip in the dark <laughs> on a cold lake, which is misty and terrifying, where people have just died last week, presumably. Because, <laughs> you know, again, we don't know how long ago this was now, but presumably it was the week before that all those people died. Uh, and someone has... And it is on the news that Jason escaped from... I know, I'm again, just... Just chew me back and forth here, but it's on the news that Jason escaped or his body was missing from the from the mortuary because Rob mentions that. So surely these kids know that they're going to this area where the guy committed all these murders and that guy's body is now missing. I don't think I'd be going. I think I'd be staying at home. <laughs> um, so that's... Um, that's one thing anyway. So anyway, she goes on a... You know, skinny dipping boat ride naked raft ride uh, and jason just comes up and stabs her through the uh, through the chest you know the it goes through the uh, through the boat through a chest uh, again you can see it it's really well made really well shot although would that boat not sink like you've got sam's weight in there fair enough she's a quite slim girl but the thing will be filling it with water um would it not sink i don't know but it doesn't sink because Paul he sees the error of his ways. He doesn't want he doesn't want to sleep with with Trish or Tina, one of the hot twins. He wants Sam. He wants his girlfriend. Bless him, Dick. Uh, and that is quite an apt phrase because he. Sw- I mean, this you know Paul has a really bad death uh, because he he swims out. He thinks Sam is in the boat waiting on him for some reason. He gets there and he sees that Sam's being killed. So he's like terrified, swimming back to the shore. And then Jason gets that spear and sticks it through his dick. Very fitting for someone who... I mean, he didn't cheat on his girlfriend, but, you know, the thought was there. So, very fitting. End to 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 Paul. Uh, Crispin Glover as well. Uh, what a great character this is. You know, Crispin Glover's character and Teddy are just a fantastic dynamic in this movie. Uh, the whole, you know, computer says you're a dead fuck, all of this. Well, Crispin Glover's character, Jimmy, he proves that he's not a dead fuck because he has sex with... Again, I can't tell which twin is which. It's So much is happening in such a short period of time in this movie, it's really difficult to tell. Um, but yeah, Crispin Glover's character, he finds out he's not a dead fuck because, um, you know, he sleeps with one of the twins and... Then he sleeps with her twice. And then he takes the knickers down and shows them to Teddy. So this Teddy really wanted to sleep with one of the twins as well. 
said, run this through your computer or something. He says something like that. It's really funny. Um, but I, again, Crispin Glover may have survived this movie had he not had sex. Because, um, you know, that's the rule of the Friday the 13th film. But he had sex, which means only one thing. You die. That's the rules. Uh, and he gets... And it's just... A, I think this is one of my favourite... Probably my second favourite kill in this movie. It's a fucking awesome kill. Uh, he's like, hey, Teddy, do you know where the corkscrew is? And, you know, Jason puts the corkscrew through his hand on screen, looks amazing, and then a kind of... Is it like a... It's not a machete. It's a... Uh, Cleaver. That's what I'm looking for, the word cleaver. I'm getting more on the ball this week. Cleaver to the face, on screen, magic. Tom Savini, can't say enough good things. Tom Savini at his very best, very realistic stuff. Absolutely incredible. Uh, And we see Rob, he cuts his own tent. (laughs) Like, Trish has gone to find Rob and cut his own tent because he sees someone in there. What does he think? Jason has just got in there for a quick nap. Like, he knows this is a guy, Jason, who has killed, at this point, 20 people over the course of two nights, either two nights ago or the week before. Whichever, you know, version of that you wish to believe. What, do you think Jason's just having a nap in your tent? <laughs> He's just ripped his own tent for no reason, but... Yeah, that for me, I didn't quite get that bit. Uh, Tina, she gets thrown through a window uh, and onto a car. She That, that must have been who it was, Tina, because I wrote it down. So, uh, Tina, she gets thrown through the window and onto the car after sleeping with Crisp and Glover. Uh, Jason, he's flying around all over the place in this movie. Like, if you think about all the people he's killed, like, he killed... So he kills in this order. He kills uh, Crisp and Glover downstairs. Well, he kills Paul and Sam in the lake. Then he kills Crisp and Glover downstairs. Then he goes onto the roof pretty much and pulls uh tina through the window then he goes back downstairs and uh and kills teddy like he's bang 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 i actually think this is almost to the law of the friday the 13th game if anyone's played the friday the 13th ps4 game i think it's on the xbox as well it's fucking dreadful um in my opinion but if you're playing as jason in one of the story mode story mode things in quote-unquote they're not very good at all uh you there's like a thing you can do once every level where you basically transport jason to anywhere on the map and so if someone's running away you can transport that person to essentially catch up with that person running away to kind of match what happens in these movies and yeah it's not a good game at all It's, it's fucking dreadful if i'm honest with you but yeah that's kind of maybe where this comes from you know, jumping Jason all over the map. Uh, Teddy gets... Uh, everyone gets laid but Teddy. And this is the thing, like, everybody in this movie, I, I think everyone, apart from Trish and Rob and Corey Feltman and Mrs. Jarvis, in terms of the teenagers that are there, I think they all get laid pretty much. Tina, Tina's twin, she maybe doesn't get laid, but pretty much all of these teenagers get laid somewhere along the line in this movie. Uh, apart from Teddy... But Teddy dies because he's a clown. And if you're a clown, you die. That's a rule. That's a Friday the 13th rule. Machete to the... Well, not machete. It's like a, it's like a cleaver again to the back of the head whilst he's watching his 1970s silent movie porn. <laughs> so at least he went out in style. And poor Sarah in this movie, you know. Now, she's like the shy, almost virgin... I think she's a virgin. I think that's kind of confirmed earlier on in the movie. 
that she didn't she was nervous about having sex with Doug who was a boyfriend and stuff like that and she was talking to Sam about having sex and she was saying how great it was or all that kind of slasher stuff Sarah she gets the courage she has picks up the courage and she finally has sex with Doug she has sex in the shower it's a very American teen romance movie she says like she's kind of having this back and forth afterwards and uh, I think she says "Oh, oh I think I'm in love and it's kind of like, I thought, oh, it's like a grease moment. It's very corny, but I say some of the acting in these movies isn't fantastic at all, but um, very teen rom-com, teen romance. But uh, poor Sarah, she gets, she finally picks up the courage to have sex. She has sex in the shower, which is a body double. That's not actually really the character, the, the actress who plays Sarah, who's in the shower. Uh, Doug, he gets his head crushed in the shower jason comes in he's like singing in the shower he's just got laid he's loving it he's like come on baby the water's fine get in you know and it's jason and jason smashes through uh crushes his head against the wall um and uh, doug he has a really tough time because jason comes in smashes the glass smashes head against the wall then presumably we don't see it be like smashes his neck against like the broken glass because sarah comes in and finds him and his head is in the uh, in the shower glass thing uh, but then Trish comes in later on in one of the final scenes and sees him pinned to the wall so Jason like has a lot of fun with this guy's body like this guy has a real really bad time yeah he's dead already so it doesn't really matter but yeah like he his body goes through a rough rough time uh, Sarah she gets an axe to the chest as she tries to escape again not really this one isn't really on screen but uh, still pretty cool. Doug's death's really good when he's getting his head crushed and smashed against the wall. That's really cool on screen, uh, on screen stuff. Now we don't see what happens to Mrs. Jarv- Mrs. Jarvis's character. Uh, we know she dies. She's on the victim list. She's one of the thirteen, not including Jason. Um, but we don't see it. I'm kind of glad we don't in a way because she was like everybody's mum in this movie. She was not a teen. She didn't really. She didn't deserve to die. She didn't have. She didn't break any of the rules or anything like that. She was just a mum to her her kids, you know, try to do her best. So she didn't get we didn't get to see her die, but we know we know she dies, you know. We don't see what happens. It's a bit of a mystery. Um, but but yeah, we we know that she dies, poor Mrs. Jarvis. Uh, and Trish and Rob, they kind of are switched on now to what's happening. And they leave Tommy at home alone. Come on. Leave him home alone in the middle of nowhere. Your mum's missing. Come on. No way, would you? Um, now, Rob, he fights Jason in the basement. And, like, so what? Was J- Jason was already in the basement. So, was he just chilling in the basement? Was he waiting on someone going down there? I don't know. It, I don't know what was really going on there. But, yeah, uh, Rob, he doesn't really put much of a fight at all. Which is a real shame and quite sad because you got to think... Rob's character, if you think of it from a character's perspective, um, a few days ago, or however long it was, whatever you choose to believe, his sister went missing or his sister died. He's then going around to hunt this killer. And Rob seems a, a bit of a badass, really. You know, he's outdoorsy, he's a bit Bear Grylls kind of guy. And he puts up no fight against Jason whatsoever. Like, Jason just beats him and kills him really easily he's like he's killing me he's killing me you know run run like there's nothing i can do to help you now trish i'm gonna i'm gonna die like this guy is just a monster i'm gonna die um so that's kind of 
that was quite sad. But he didn't really put up much of a fight. He kind of end, he kind of dies really quickly. Uh, Trish, this is like this is one of the most this is one of the funniest scenes in all the Friday the Thirteenth movies for me is Trish trying to escape this house. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm on about. So she opens the front door, and one of the twins' body bodies is on the floor, not in the air or anything, just lying on the floor. You could just jump over the body. But she's like, she's like, she's like, ah, like she screams and then she like runs back into the house where Jason is. What? She goes to the back door and Crispin Glover is nailed to the, to the door, but she could just go through him. She ends up like smashing the kitchen window and jumping through the window. And I'm like, like, just like, what are you doing? Like, why? What? Who, who filmed this and thought, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's there for like to illustrate the over the top craziness of a friday film especially in these final chase scenes but i was like why didn't you just go over the body i don't know very very interesting scene one of the funniest friday scenes for me in the whole series uh rob he's thrown through the window another staple of friday the 13th is someone getting thrown through a window (laughs) like one of the bodies i think it happens in pretty much every single Friday movie or it did up until this point definitely happens in the fifth one I think it does happen in the did it happen in the sixth one I can't remember but up until this point it's a real staple Jason loves and Mrs. Voorhees because it happens in the original as well loves throwing bodies through windows and this one is Rob because he gets it gets thrown through the window he's got like a pickaxe in his head a true Friday the 13th staple uh, and uh, they love smashing windows. This is the movie of smashing windows because Trish ends up going through a window as well later in the film. She's running away um, and she runs through a window. So many windows get smashed. The dog gets jumps through a smashed window in this film as well. I think they're all the same window as well. They just kept putting it back in and smashing it. It's, <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, Jason as well. Now this scene, like, Corey Feldman goes on about this quite a bit. Jason, he's... uh, Well, Tommy's by the window, and then Jason comes in and just grabs him, like, smashes the window and grabs him. Uh, And Corey Feldman, like I say, he's got on record. If you haven't seen it, I would thoroughly recommend going to watch the Friday the 13th documentary, The Crystal Lake Memories, I think it's called. It's on YouTube, free of charge. It's, like, five hours long. It's a really, really cool documentary, and Corey Feldman is in in there talking about this movie and talking about part five and uh yeah he just like says about how much he enjoyed working in the movies and really wished he could have done the fifth but we'll we'll talk about that at the end um i think it's gonna be a long podcast i've got so much to talk so much to say about this movie it's absolutely fantastic um <clears throat> and he was saying that his reaction to this scene when it was being filmed was genuine like just genuine terror he was terrified when um when Ted came in as Jason and threw him through the window. Like, that, that reaction is real. And you've got to think, this is like a 10-year-old kid, so of course it would be real. Although he knows he's professional, he's an acting professional, he knows, you know, he's just acting. But you would be scared if you were that young and you were in this film and that happened, man. Like, really scary. Uh, Jason, this is an awesome moment as well. Jason runs through the front door and throws, like, the, uh, the pickaxe at uh, Trish. He misses, but just, like, the sheer power of running through that. And for me, that is, for me, why one of the reasons this is one of the best Jasons out of all of them. Um, and Trish and Tommy give Jason a good fight and they smash a TV through his head, they get running. Um, this is also the last of the runner Jasons. Um, after this, this is more of a zombie character, slow moving. 
Of course, after this, we've got C.J. Graham. Uh, and then after that, you have uh, Kane Hodder. So, and Kane Hodder had, has his own style of of his Jason compared to the other ones. Um, but I, I do prefer this one. This this Jason is terrifying. And a running Jason is much scarier than a zombie walking Jason, 100%. Like, this guy's like fucking... He's a beast. He's... Oh. Like, I actually think this is the Jason that should have... This this is Jason for me, but you know this is the Jason that they should have went with for the later films as well. Just, this style is just terrifying. Um, similar to what we see in part two uh, in the whole mind games, Tommy he sees the newspaper cuttings of what Jason looked like as a child, and he cuts his own hair. Um, really iconic scene, and kind of turns himself into a mini Jason. Uh, just. This film is this movie is filled with iconic Friday scenes and iconic slasher scenes, really I- iconic kills. Um, but yeah, he bases it off. You know, he's turning himself into a, a mini Jason, and uh, but I don't think. I mean, he has thick hair. He has really thick, long hair. Like, there's no way. I mean, it kind of does look a bit botched when he gets downstairs, but it's really quite shy. His head's really shiny. There's no way you could cut your hair that quickly. But anyway, I digress. I will look past that because. That slight flaw, because this is such an iconic moment and such an incredible ending. Like, seriously, this 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 ending... This ending, really, this last five minutes, is probably my favourite ending to any horror movie. Or one of them, anyway. It's just incredible. Uh, and a top three slasher movie of all time, this for me. So, Trish, she slices Jason mask off, mask off, Jason's mask off, and we see... Um, we see Jason's face. So obviously, again, as I said earlier in the movie, this Jason looks different to the Jason's face we see in part three and different to the Jason's face we see in part two. Very drastically, and obviously we're led to believe that this is happening within a few days of each other. So my theory is, again, as I said, because part two and three, the time we see Jason's face, they're more fake-outs, they're not really... Although we see Jason's face at the end of part three, don't we? When he's coming back. Hmm. Yeah. 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 But this for me is the definitive Jason face. Because from part six, his face gets eaten by a bunch of maggots and he's just a zombie undead. In terms of a human face, this is... Well, this is Tom Savini's vision. So this for me is Jason. This is what Jason looks like. Uh, And the other two are just, you know... I'll take them for what they are, of course. But this is, for me, this is Jason. 100%. And this is my favourite Jason. This is my favourite unmasked Jason. Uh, Even more so than what part 7, when we see uh, Kane Hodder's Jason. Um, I like it more than... I kind of like it more than Maggothead Jason, and it's definitely better than the two that we've seen previously. Yeah, this for me, in terms of Jason's face, the best of the bunch, without a doubt. Uh, and then this kill, fucking hell, this kill where Tommy Jarvis hits Jason in the, just the side of the head with the machete. Oh, just incredible kill. This is the best kill in this movie, 100%. And it's Jason himself that takes that honour because he's... This kill, oh, like, do you, do, you know, do you know what? If they ended the franchise here... I'm glad they didn't because it also came with one of my other favourites and I do enjoy the Kane Hodder ones as well. But if they had ended the franchise at this point in time 
at this scene what an iconic ending to that character what a fantastic three movies featuring jason and what a way to kill him uh, so it's like machete to the side of the head and then jason's head just falls onto the machete his face and head goes through the machete there's blood everywhere the mouth's moving I said it before i'll say it again and i've said it on previous episodes of this podcast tom savini is the ultimate horror makeup master like truly a phenomenal guy i mean everyone knows this anyone who knows horror knows tom savini but this guy man this is some of his best work but it's a funny one because anytime i see a movie and tom savini did a lot at any time I see a Tom Savini movie, and I think I said it for the uh, Texas Chainsaw 2 re- review as well, any time I see anything, any work that Tom Savini does, I'm like, man, this is some of his best work. Because it's all so good. And he puts his heart and soul into every single project he does. Because his name's against it. And, um, yeah, just incredible. Speaking of makeup, before we get finished on this as well, uh, there's a scene where Trish cuts Jason's hand Again, fantastic effects. And you can see where the machete or the knife had cut through Jason's hand and there was like a hole in it. Fucking for the budget as well. And you got to remember, this was a really low budget film. Two million dollars? Like, imagine if Tom Savini had been given another million dollars. And they would have still made 29 million dollar profit. That's the scary thing. Uh, if he had been given another million to spend on special effects, just think about what he could have done. Like, some of the off-screen deaths maybe would have got upgraded some of the on-screen deaths maybe would have got upgraded but hey we got what we got and it's fucking magic (laughs) like magical Uh, and tommy jarvis and this is another reason i love this movie and i love this ending because as i said in previous movies there's gripes of mine where people leave the killer they hit him once and they think that's it over and they escape whereas in this movie tommy jarvis sees jason jason's finger move just slightly finger move it could have just been like it could have literally just... I mean, he looked dead. Like, really would have struggled to believe that Jason would have got up from that attack. But Tommy Jarvis gets the machete and just... Bang, bang, die, 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 die. Just iconic scene. Iconic kill. Incredible end to the movie. Just... And, you know, this is exactly how you would react to this situation. Now... Not, you know, not always would you get... I mean, it it has happened. It has happened in many horror movies where we get child actors who, well, lack of a better term, can't really act. So for Corey Feldman, I can't say enough good things about this for him. This was his first feature-length movie, and to put in this performance, it just shows how light years ahead he was of all of the child actors in the world at this point in time. Corey Feldman absolutely fucking incredible and uh obviously that's not the end of the movie we have the final scene where Corey feldman is in the hospital he goes and see trish and he gives her a hug and then he gives the camera that look you know i'm totally messed up <laughs> totally lost his mind and as you would you know he's he but uh, the character of tommy jarvis in this movie is he enjoys horror movies or at least i get it i think he does because he's got all of the horror props in his room so I'm not saying that this messed him up, but yeah, I mean, it probably did mess him up quite a bit, didn't it? Uh, and that leads me on to like the kind of the ending of that, where um, Tommy Jarvis was meant to come back in number five and almost replace Jason, but he doesn't. 
and we get the uh, the ambulance driver. <laughs> and the reason for that, and Corey Feldman said he wanted to come back and do Tommy Jarvis again in a feature-length movie and essentially take over the role as the new Jason. Uh, and that could have built up over multiple films and all that kind of good stuff. And the spirit of Jason could have been in Tommy Jarvis. Um, but then... A little movie came along that you've probably heard of called The Goonies. <laughs> and uh, obviously that led on to Gremlins, that led on to Stand By Me, which led on to The Lost Boys, which led on to hit after hit after hit for this kid. Um, but he did his bit and he came back uh, for a small cameo in part five at the very start of the movie. And, uh, you know, did his bit to kind of keep the Tommy Jarvis character that he created alive. But, yeah, it just... Incredible. And you just think if, if Corey Feldman hadn't have got his big break in the Goonies and, and Gremlins, what would have happened to these series of movies? Because part five would have been drastically different. Uh, and then would we have got part six and would we have got it? Would it have carried on? Would they have brought Jason back? I don't know because the thing is with the ambulance driver, they did a fake Jason. It's a fake Jason in part five. I actually quite enjoy part five. It's definitely not one of my favorites. Probably very low down on my Friday the 13th list. Um, not bottom, but quite down there. But it's still a decent film. But obviously, people don't like change. And the same happened with Halloween Part 3. People don't like change, so they brought Jason back in Part 6. But I genuinely think, had they just gone with this, or had the original plan that they wanted to do it gone with it, and had Corey Feltman portray uh, like an evil Tommy Jarvis, I think... I don't think people would have been calling for Jason to come back. Jason was only in three movies, remember? Well, he was kind of a part number one as well. But anyway, I digress once again. Um, but I think I genuinely think had they gone that, down that route and had Corey Feldman not become the huge child actor that he was, um, I don't think I think the franchise would have looked drastically different today. One hundred percent. So as I say, I cannot say enough good things about this movie at all. It's Joint joint top Friday the 13th movie for me. Uh, that and Jason Lives. Uh, just on par with that one. Can never pick a favourite. Uh, it's just they're equal to each other. Um, but I just can't say enough good things about this movie. It's the perfect slasher movie. And it's a good movie in general. You know, it's got fantastic characters. Good actors. <clears throat> really solid cast. Uh, a terrifying Jason. For me, the best Jason of the whole series Tom Savini at his incredible best just can't say enough good things about this movie if you've not seen it I hope I'm you know selling it to you I'm sure if you're a horror movie fan you've seen this movie like this is probably one of the most famous Friday the 13th movies because it's so damn good but if you haven't seen it Go and watch it. Because if you're a horror fan and you haven't seen this movie, you're doing yourself a huge misjustice. So just go and watch it and fucking enjoy. Uh, so this movie, I was uh, over an hour in as to what would be my... what would be the rating. But I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Uh, it's not a 10 out of 10 because there is some small things in this movie that I don't like. But hey, I'm happy to overlook all those things for the review because I fucking love this movie. I fucking love this movie. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, so yeah, 9 out of 10. Go and watch it if you haven't already. Uh, and as I said, my favourite death in the movie was uh, Jason, machete to the head. Just, ugh, honestly, this movie is just so 
damn good. Okay, so before we go, uh, and as we have been doing uh, for every single episode, and we will continue to do, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this bit anyway, is the trivia. So we're going to go through a little bit of trivia about this movie. Uh, We've gone through quite a lot of trivia, actually, already. As I try and do, I try and subtly uh, include little factoids that I know uh, 100% are true uh i i just kind of put them in there as we're doing the review um or as i'm doing the review uh but we are gonna go through some trivia uh for the movie uh courtesy of imdb so first one uh at the time this installment of the series contained the most nudity and gore so obviously historically what happened there as well afterwards um the ncc or whatever 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 that is it the ncc in america whatever that is uh basically they got really hot on this uh so what would happen is and it's it's documented a lot in in the documentary is uh so the first one was really really gory uh the original one and that got a ton of complaints to the ncc or say let's call it the ncc if that's not what it's called sorry um and then the second one not so much the third one had more nudity than gore because they had to come up with they, ha- they basically couldn't have both. They could either have nudity or gore. Uh, and then on part three, they chose more nudity than gore. Hey, you know, some good nudity in that film. Some scenes are a bit quite like softcore porn. It's very, very awkward. Um, but, uh, and then in this one, they went with gore over nudity. There's, you know, although there is quite a bit of nudity in this film, there's no, there's, I think there's more nudity in part three. Uh, but it's one of them where they had to choose one or the other. So they kind of go back and forth on that one. Um, a bit more uh, at 58 years old at the time Ted White is the oldest stuntman slash actor to portray Jason Voorhees and for me my joint favourite Jason with him and CJ Graham um, I know uh, people are going to maybe disagree with me on that but that's just because these two movies are my favourite movies in the franchise uh, 4 and 6 so and these are the only movies with they kind of one hitters in terms of who played Jason uh, you have Ted White in this one, and you have C.J. Graham in six. They only did those one two movies, but they've gone down in history as two of the best Jasons. Obviously, Kane Hodder is probably the most famous Jason, but for me, those two are definitely the best. And then Kane Hodder. You know, I enjoy what Kane Hodder did, but um, he's probably third out of... Is it six, seven people who have played Jason now? Uh, yeah, one, two... Yeah, so you got about seven people who's portrayed Jason. It's probably like third on a list, so that's pretty good still for me. Uh, it has been suggested that the only reason Tom Savini worked as makeup artist on this film was in order that he could accurately age and properly kill the character he created from the first film. Huge props to that. Now, we do get a bit of a timeline in this film because we see Pamela Voorhees' grave. This film took place... Uh, four or five years after the events of part of the original one, which means part two must have been set three or four years after that as well. And yeah, so Jason in that movie, was it 1955, 1980? So he'd have been 25. So he'd have been about 30 years old in this movie, Jason, as the character. So to accurately age him and make him look like he did as a child in that dream scene that Tom Savini originally created in the original Friday the 13th. Fantastic, fucking amazing work by Tom C- Tom Savini there. And yeah, did, did an absolutely great job. Uh, even though he plays her son, Ted White uh, is actually 11 months older than Betsy Palmer. 
That is quite interesting, actually. You think that's quite funny. Uh, Rob was originally supposed to have high tech equipment, which he had to, which he had used to track Jason. But the props for this look cheap, and the idea was scrapped. I mean, it's the early '80s. Any tech is going to look cheap. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it wasn't really the cutting edge of technology in the uh, in the early '80s, was it? So, again, it was. It's the beginning of the technology era, or the beginning of the retro technology era, anyway. Uh, director Joseph Zito wanted Jason's hockey mask to explode a part in the opening credits, but there was not enough time in post-production to pull off this gag. How times have changed? Like, that would probably take, what, two seconds to do now for someone who knows what they're doing? How times have changed? Uh, The film was shot entirely in California. Uh, The Jarvis family's dog, Gordon, was named after a recently deceased dog, which a friend of director Joseph Zito owned. Oh, bless him. Oh, my. Um, The original hitchhiker, the female hitchhiker, was called originally... Fat girl in the uh, original draft of the script. Oh dear. <laughs> I mean, she's a heavyset girl, bless her, the one who plays her, but Jesus, you know, my God. Uh, the Jarvis family car is a 1970 Dodge Pallora. Uh, the poster shows the hockey mask with a knife in its left eye socket. Jason is defeated with a machete going through his left eye, so it's kind of spoiler alert on the poster. The actress playing Trish's mother was only 14 years and one day older than her. I suppose she could have been a mum. I mean, it would have been wrong, but I suppose that isn't impossible in the realms. I mean, teen pregnancies and all that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. Uh, The film was released in theatres directly a week before Crispin Glover's 20th birthday. Uh, As a result of spending so much time in the water during filming of her death scene, uh, Judy Aronson, who played Sam, I believe, actually developed hypothermia during the freezing temperatures of the late night shoot. Damn. I suppose these movies, you know, they were rough to make, man. Rough to make. Uh, this is the second film in the series to have two surviving protagonists, the first being Friday the 13th Part 2. That's the thing, we don't ever see what happened to those guys. Presumably they're still in hospital because, you know, it, it only happened a, a week before or a few days before. Uh, Corey Feldman wore a skull cap to create the illusion that he had shaved his head. Body count is 14, that's including Jason Voorhees. And J- uh, Ted White is the second tallest actor to play Jason at six foot four. Um, and he is menacing as fuck. Like, this, as I said, there's a reason this Jason is really terrifying. Um, the first of two Friday the 13th movies that featured Jason, in which he doesn't use a machete to kill anyone, the other being Jason Goes to Hell, Final Friday, which is absolutely dog shit. So, <laughs> like, you know, I can see the good parts in that movie, but that is definitely the worst of the lot. Uh, so that's the thing, yeah. This is the only. Considering, like, in part two, he uses a machete quite a lot. And in all the other movies after that, like, it's his weapon of choice. Is he buried with a machete as well? Um, but he doesn't use a machete in this film. Hmm. But hey, there you go. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I hope you've all had an awesome time with me the past hour and, uh, oh God, an hour and 15 minutes. This is like the longest episode we've done so far. And I'm not surprised because I have a lot to say about this movie because, and I've had a bit of a cool week, you know, with WrestleMania. I'm on the up. Um... Like, this movie, for me, as I've said, it's perfection. And I can't stop saying it. It's one of my all-time favourite slasher movies. One of the best, or the best, in this franchise. Top three slashers of all time. 
just incredible movie in general. So I'm not surprised this this podcast went so long because I had so much to say about it. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining me and sticking with me. If you're still here at the end, I uh, really do appreciate it. Um, if you have a movie that you want me to review and talk about on the podcast, go and check out our Facebook page. Just search Slasher Street Podcast. Give us a like on there. Drop me a message. We'll have a chat about horror movies. We'll have a good bit of uh, banter. And let me know which movie or movies that you'd like me to do. And I will make sure to stick them in at some point in time. Um, next week on the podcast, we're going to... It's the 10th episode. 10th episode, not including our interview with Clive Tung, of course. That was more of a bonus episode. But our 10th pr- episode proper. And uh, next week, I've got something really special lined up for you guys. Something that I think will be a lot of fun to review. And it's a film that only came out last year. Was it last year? I think it was last year. It wasn't that long ago. It was definitely... I think it was maybe only last year. Uh, And that is one of the most controversial, but one of the craziest. And to be honest, people, people shit on this movie. But I think it's actually a lot of fun. And that is the Banana Splits movie. Now, you heard me correctly. If you've not heard of this movie... Go and check it out. Go and watch it this week. It's worth a watch. Go and watch it just for the sheer madness of it. It's based around the Banana Splits, which is the TV kids' TV show in, like, what, the 1970s? Uh, and basically, it's a slasher movie about them and they're the killers. It's mad. It's madness. So for the 10th episode, I wanted to do something really fun, really out there, really crazy. Uh, so next week, we're going to be talking about the Banana Splits movie. And, you know, it gives me an excuse for stick it on again. My wife hates this movie. She hated it. <laughs> like, I was sitting there laughing the whole time and she hated this movie. But uh, seriously, guys, just watch it. It, it. Do yourself a justice. Watch it. Even if you hate it, it's worth watching because it's hilarious. Um, so that's next week, the Banana Splits movie. So... Everyone, thank you so much for joining me once again. Keep me company for the past hour. I hope I've kept you company as well while we talk horror movies. Um, have a very safe week. Stay safe, everyone out there. And I think, you know, um, don't be a dick. You know, I think there's there's barriers out there now so that people can't be a dick anymore, thankfully. You know, the whole shopping and overstocking. You can't do that anymore. At least you can't in the UK, so things are on the up um so that's that's it ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for thank you so much again for listening uh remember stay safe and until next week everyone stay scared my eyes are deceiving me what you see is real what's done is done and what i've done is right the work of science.